Take your Bible, turn with me to Philippians tonight, chapter number 3, book of Philippians in chapter number 3. I sure have enjoyed uh, being in the service tonight, and I'm glad I can say that, and it's not even a lie. You know, you ever notice that? I say it all the time. I sure have enjoyed being here, and half the time I don't really mean it. But tonight it's been pretty good, and I appreciate all the good singing by the choir and then the congregational singing and the specials as well, and everybody just did an excellent job. And I tell you what's best about it is God was on it, and uh, the songs that you sang helped point our attention to Him, and I appreciate that. Uh, all those songs were good, and they started singing about not quitting. I tell you you can't quit because there's, there's, there's a fire, but that fire represents a lot of things, doesn't it? Your, your children, your spouse, uh, your, your extended family, your church family. There's a lot of people that would uh, be affected if you and I fell out or if we gave up and we quit on this thing. And I promise you this, we're too close to the finish line to quit now. We're closer today than we were yesterday. And I believe just any day now, listen, the Lord is coming soon. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to ride the couch into heaven. I just don't want to do that. I want to be on the battlefield. When the shout rings out, I want to be shouting back. Amen. And I'm excited about what God's doing and what God's going to do and what God wants to do in these days. And here's good news from heaven. God wants to do something. And God is able to do it if we'll just get out of his way. And when God speaks to us, if we'll just raise the white flag, surrender, and obey God, it'll be a good week. I promise you that. I always tell people the best way to leave church is to go home saying, I'm glad I did. The worst way to leave is to go home saying, I wish I would have. And uh, if you'll just obey God, I promise you this, you'll just enjoy it. We had uh, church yesterday at our place. I've been preaching at our home church because our pastor has not been well. And you can tell by my voice, we did more shouting than I did preaching. And, uh, and I about wanted to do it down here. And I thought, if I do that, I won't be able to say a thing tonight. And you pray for me between that and the energy drinks, the Slim Jims, and the cigarettes. My voice is shot. <laughs> Philippians chapter number 3. Some of y'all said, hey... <laughs> Me too. Philippians chapter number 3. Appreciate your pastor. Thank you, preacher, for letting me come and share your pulpit. And really, my prayer is just to be a help to your church this week. And that's what I pray will happen. Brother Simpson, it's great to see you. I'm glad that you're here this week as well and for how God's using you. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 7. We'll begin reading just for the sake of time. The Bible said in verse number 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And by the way, it's a lot easier to suffer loss when you talk about the loss a little, and you talk about Christ a lot more. And you already notice there in this text and those around it that Paul mentions Christ a whole lot more than what he suffered. I tell you, when you and I, uh, if we're not careful, we'll make an idol out of our trial. And our testimony is more about the trial than about the deliverer of the trial. It's a lot more about the hardship than the one who's helping us in the hardship. And I promise you this, it'll make your suffering a lot more bearable when you talk about it a little and talk about Jesus a lot. Amen. Amen. Look what he says in verse number 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, 
but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. And brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I would say tonight is one of those texts that as a preacher I usually shy away from because I know you've already heard somebody, a bunch of somebodies, everybody, preach on this. But I was preparing and I was studying to preach at our church to kick off a new year. And God began to lay this text on my heart. Now, this is a good text for a new year. Wait a minute. This is a good text for a new month. And this is a good text for a new week. And this is a good text for a new day. And this is a good text for every hour in that day. I began to read down through this text and just thinking about the lives of people as you're in the ministry and then in my own life. And if there's one thing I know, it seems like a lot of folks are frustrated because they have so many things to do and not enough time to get everything they think they need to do done. And because they have a myriad of things that they're doing and not able to get it done, they find themselves discouraged and depressed and sometimes even bitter and unfulfilled and dissatisfied with life because they're wrapped up in things, so many things, and they're chasing after it. And by the way, those things aren't necessarily sin. And they're not even bad. They're just in the wrong place. For a little while tonight, I want to preach maybe just a practical kind of a a helpful message on this thought. There is one thing that takes care of everything. There is one thing in your marriage and one thing in your family life and one thing in your business and one thing that will just take care of everything else in this life. And until you put that one thing where it goes on your priority list, your life is not going to be fulfilling. And it's not going to be satisfying and it's not going to be as successful, quote unquote, as it could be if we do the one thing where it ought to be. Let's pray and we'll get into the thought. God, I pray you'd help me. I need your power. I pray for liberty, God. There's been a good spirit like the preacher said. I pray now that you'd help us to hear from you. God, I pray that you just put another brick in the wall of the lives of these people and in my life tonight. Give us a hunger. Give us, give us a target. Give us an aim. And I pray it be the right one tonight. Set our life on the right trajectory for a new year is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems to me that there are many of God's people who are frustrated and feeling empty. And they're dissatisfied in so many different areas of their life. They feel like they're always running and yet they're never getting anywhere. They're fighting like a shadow boxer who swings and just never makes any contact. And I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about saved people. I'm talking about people that have the Holy Ghost living within them and all of heaven like they sang about waiting for them and a myriad of reasons to be joyous in Jesus. Their sins are forgiven. They have a mansion on streets of gold. Their name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. They've got reason upon reason to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And yet at the end of the day, they find themselves having been busy and yet they've not been fulfilled. 
fail. They find themselves being stretched thin and yet they're not satisfied. They've got a whole lot of things to do and yet they feel like they're really not doing anything and they look at their life and say, you know what? I feel a little bit weary. I'm a little bit worn out. I'm a little bit worried. I'm working myself to death and I don't feel like I'm living on the winning side. Maybe I'm even preaching to a crowd like that tonight. Maybe you're sitting here and behind that smile and behind that shout, you feel frustrated with your life. You'd never admit it out loud. You'd never tell anybody, but you know in your heart there's a longing there. It's like you're toiling and rowing and nothing is coming to fruition. I read a statement that said this, emotion is no substitute for activity. But wait a minute. Then it said this. But activity is no substitute for productivity. And here it is. All of us are active. If you're like me, you're more busy than you want to be. You have a hard time finding time to get things done in this life. But can I say it is not enough just to be busy. It is not enough just to make money. It is not enough just to be a part of every ball team in town. It is not enough just to go to every function that's available for you to attend. It is not enough just to have a nice house and a fancy car. At the end of the day, that will not satisfy. That will not fulfill. That will leave you longing and empty. Productivity is what we're after, not just activity. Maybe you're here tonight and you look full, but you're empty. You've got everything anybody could ever want, and yet you're unhappy. I mean, you've got the job that you thought you wanted, but you're not happy. You've got the spouse that you've always wanted but you're not happy you've got the kids that you thought you wanted and you want to kill them no I say amen right there Yeah, you've got the church of your dreams and yet you're not satisfied. You've got friends and feel all alone. Everything's going for you, but you feel like everything's going wrong and you're simply frustrated with life. I read a Gallup poll the other day and the Gallup poll said that unhappiness or dissatisfaction is at an all-time high in America. I thought about that. We live in the most blessed country on the face of this planet. I mean, the most poor among us have more than most people do. I mean, if you vote Democrats, you got a free block of cheese and a cell phone. I mean, everybody's got everything and yet it's an all-time high and it's been growing from 2006 till today the dissatisfaction rate among Americans. Well, tonight I want to take my finger and I believe put it on the problem and the root cause of all this frustration. I want to narrow it down and take our acts to the root of what I think is the reason so many of God's people don't feel satisfied with their Christian life. I remember reading an illustration and it was in the days of the Old West as wagons would travel out toward the West Coast and a sign said, avoid the next rut because if you get stuck in that rut, you've got to ride it for the next 25 miles. I think that's where a lot of Christians are living today. They have gotten themselves in some sort of a rut. They are 
busy to and fro, running here and there at every ribbon cutting, every baby shower, every wedding, and sometimes a funeral. And yet they go home thinking, man, there's nothing going on. I've got no fruit on the branch of my life. I've got no joy and satisfaction at the end of the day because they're stuck in a rut. I want you to know tonight, you were not given life for a number of things. You were given life for one thing. You were not created for a number of things. You've been created for one thing. You were not saved for a number of things. You've been saved for one thing. You've not been given a mind for a number of things. You've been given a mind for one thing. You've not been given direction to go a number of ways. You've been given direction to go in one specific direction. There are not a thousand purposes for your life. There are not hundreds of purposes for your life. There are not ten purposes for your life. But there is one thing that you've been created for. Tonight you have one goal. You have one mark. And until we properly prioritize the one thing, everything else will never fulfill or satisfy. The President Dwight Eisenhower said, he said, the urgent is seldom important. And sadly, the important is seldom urgent. And I think many Christians are living there in their spiritual life where so many things that will burn up in the fire, they'll melt with a fervent heat, the moth will eat it, rust shall corrupt it and age will make you forget it. They are putting all their time and energy and effort into things that cannot meet the need that we have while God has said there's a target out yonder. There's an aim out there. There's a goal before you and if you'll make the one thing the main thing, everything else you worry about will fall into place. Everyone wants to be successful. And because of that, we stretch ourselves thin. We want to be the best parent. So we make that our one thing. We want to be the best employee. So we make that our one thing. We want to be the best employer. So we make that our one thing. I want to be the best husband. And if I'm not careful, I'll make that my one thing. I want to be the best friend. So I make that my one thing. But listen here. None of us are lacking in the quantity department. Our hurt is in the quality department. Because success does not come in the quantity of things you do. It is in the quality of doing what you're doing. And life is not rising and falling on having things to do. It is about properly prioritizing the things I have to do. Every successful businessman knows that. Every successful mother knows that. Every successful secular anybody knows that. Everybody's got a lot to do. But those that build something that we admire and do something we say is great and accomplish something that makes us jealous have learned to take the most important thing and start right there and then let all the little things that clamor for our attention fall in line after the main thing. Successful people, let me say this, live on purpose. They don't waste their actions. Everything they do is propelling them toward a goal. But life is more than just goals. Everybody has goals. It's not just about goals because some of you have set goals and reached them and still feel empty. 
It is more than goals that matter. It is not me setting the right, rather the goals and reaching them. It is about me setting the right goal and reaching that. Just like every other area of life, the Christian life must have balance. It must have order. It must have structure. And by that I mean you have to properly prioritize what you're chasing. I believe most folks are dissatisfied because they climbed a mountain they didn't need to climb. They sailed a sea. They didn't need to sail. They did something that really wasn't all that important. They ran after it and worked for it and planned and got a hold of it and found out. It's not all it's cracked up to be. I'm going to get to this text in a second, but listen, this one thing that I'm going to talk about tonight, this one thing will take care of your family goals. See, if we're not careful, we take a good thing and turn it into our God. And we make our family our target at the expense of God and all of a sudden we have an idol that we live with. This one thing will take care of your financial goal. Amen. If we're not careful, we'll make an idol out of our money even though we say that we're not and we tithe and all that. But really at the end of the day, what we do, we do to to make a living. If we're not careful, hey, listen, this one thing will take care of your business goal or your happiness goal or your joy goal. Let me see this one thing. Now, listen, your family's a good thing, but it's not the one thing. Your personal health is a good thing, but it's not the one thing. Your business is a good thing, but it's not your one thing. Happiness is a good thing, but it is not the one thing. I'll go so far to say church is a good thing, but even church is not necessarily the one thing. There is a preeminent purpose to your life and the mind and I think we find it in our text if you're to ask Paul what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning what is it that draws you out to the field to work what is it that keeps you going the miles on the journey what is it that keeps you in the battle and you don't quit because of that what is it that keeps that fire stoked within you I think he'd say here's what I do every single day I wake up on purpose and I put my feet on the floor on purpose and I lace up my running shoes on purpose and I drag my to the track of life on purpose and I stretch for a minute on purpose and then I take off running but I'm not running down a prayer meeting and I'm not running down a preaching appointment and I'm not running down a name known among the brethren and I'm not running down a house or a financial gain he said I got one target in front of me I got one agenda I've got one goal I got one thing that eats me up from toe to head I got one thing that compels and constrains and consumes me I wake up and it's Jesus and I go to lunch and it's Jesus and I have supper and it's Jesus I lay my head at night and it's Jesus and then I get up and it's Jesus and I go to lunch again and it's Jesus and I have supper the next day and it's Jesus then I go to bed at night and it's Jesus You get it? Yeah. and then I get up the next morning and it's Jesus and I go on and on that way every day I've got the Lord before me I've got the world behind me and I found out that if I put Jesus first and if I let him him be preeminent and if I make him my one thing and if I press and I strain and I strive for that mark all those other things fall into place yeah I care about the other stuff too but not as much as him because he's in control of the family he's in control of the money he's in control of the business he's in control of my health he's in control of my church so I found out if I can attain and if I can apprehend Christ all of that other stuff falls into place he said you can plan, you can organize, you can market, you can scheme, but your best plan will fail. Your best marketing will fall short. Your scheme won't come to fruition unless Jesus is at the helm of it all. 
Yeah, you can put your family first if you want to and watch yourself lose it. Yeah, you can make money the objective if you want to and watch yourself go broke or at least be unsatisfied, dissatisfied with what you got. I've seen folks who made their kids their mark. And their kids didn't turn out. What I'm saying tonight is I think that if we would replace those things that ought to come second, third, fourth, fifth down the list with what ought to come first, that those other things might just happen to take care of themselves. All of us have priorities. But I'm thinking this is the preeminent priority. All of us will be consumed with something. God created us with a desire to worship. It is just within us. We are beings that have been made to worship something. And the issue with that is this. We have a free will. We are not a robot. We are not some droid out there. We're not some wind-up toy that God plays with. He gave us a free will to choose. And the same thing is true in the area of worship like it is in salvation. Whosoever will and worship, it's the same. And here it is, you're going to worship something. And the issue today in America especially is that so many Christians say they worship God, but that's under false pretense. That is a charade. They're not worshiping God. They're showing up and going to church on Sunday, clock in, pay their due, go home and eat, watch football and forget it. They'll show back up on Wednesday, carry a Bible, maybe even do a devotion. But listen, there's something else in their life that's coming before the Lord. You say, I want to have revival. Well, here it is. Put Jesus first again. Let him have the starting point. Let him be your goal. Let him be your aim. Hey, exist for him. He is our passion. He wants, he's our pleasure. And we want him to be our possession. He's our pursuit in life. He's what we're chasing after. If you make yourself get there, crucify your flesh to where you want Christ most of all, you'll have all that you want. I promise you this. If you'll fall in love with him and if if you'll hunger for him and if you'll thirst for him he'll come to you when you draw out of him and you'll find having Jesus I want no more he said but seek ye first the kingdom of God and he said all these things will be added unto you he's talking about raiment he's talking about housing he's talking about food aren't we worried about that we're worried about our mortgage we're worried about our belly we're worried about the future he said hey listen if you just run after me if you just seek me if you just pursue me I kill my, I can take care of the rest last time I checked God is better at being God than you're at being God or that I'm at being God and so often we'll intrude upon God's territory and try to put the roof on our head that's not your job that's God's we'll try to put food on our table that's not your job that's God's we'll try to clothe our back that's not your job that is God's whenever my little boy goes home at night after we go to church he walks in a house he does not pay for. He goes back to a bedroom he did not furnish. He opens up a closet he did not... My wife's is full. His is half, half filled with clothes. He goes in there, puts on pajamas. He don't know where we got him from. He's all chilled now. He walks himself back to the kitchen with his Paw Patrol slippers on. He swings open that stainless steel fridge. He looks at that thing packed with food. He didn't go down to Walmart and buy a single bit of groceries. He'll walk in there. He'll sit down at the table. He'll plop that plate down and begin to eat a Rice Krispie Treat, double stuffed Oreo, Dunkaroos, or... 
Amen. Cocoa Pebbles. I mean, we got all the good stuff at our spam. We got it all. And he'll just sit there and enjoy life. You know what he doesn't do, preacher? He doesn't look around and say, oh my, I wonder if we can pay the rent this month. He doesn't look, oh, he doesn't look around and say, I don't know if I'm going to pay the electric bill. Oh, how am I going to ever make sure the water stays on? I don't know how I'm going to buy clothes. And oh, look at all this food. But what happens? He doesn't worry about that, you know? why? It's not, it's not his job to worry about that. It's his father's job to worry about that. And last time I checked, it's not my job or yours to meet those kind of needs. He said, At my house, I'll supply all your need through my riches and glory by my son. You know him? Jesus Christ. He said, if you'll chase after me, I'll put food, I'll put clothes, I'll put the roof. He said, but put me first. Amen. I think there's peace in proper prioritization. Listen to me. Christianity is not philosophy. It's a person. Christianity is not performance. It is a person. Christianity is not dragging your carcass to a pew. It's a person. Christianity is Christ. I'm afraid that we have an overly temporalized target. And because of our culture, we have conditioned ourselves to believe that we're chasing after Christ, but we're not. Amen. That's how the most humble, poor, I'm talking about people who are weak in body and ravaged by the, and yet they can be some of the sweetest, most satisfied Christians. Because they found out they have Christ, and He's all that they need. I'm afraid too often we aim with a scatter gun when God said, I want you to have a rifle. He said, you're shooting buckshot everywhere. He said, I wish you'd just hone that crosshair down and aiming at the right target. Now, let me give you a couple of things here, and I'll be through from the text. Let me give it to you quickly. If you and I are going to make this one thing the main thing, you're going to have to have the right comprehension. Look at verse 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. By the way, three-point outline for the Christian life. Worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, have no confidence in your flesh. Verse number four. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that if whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But here it is is in verse 7 but what things were gained to me those I counted lost for Christ you see what he's saying he's saying hey fellas if anybody in this crowd today could brag on accolade or position or possession he said I'd like to throw in my name and just give give me a little bit of time to testify that listen I'm not just a Jew I'm a thoroughbred Jew I've been trained at the feet of the best I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews he said my circumcision's right my training is right my heritage is right he said man I've got so much success in my background from that aspect I could boast in that and brag on that but I like it he said I count all that but dung he said that's just lost to me so that I might know Christ and win him I tell you how you make Christ the main thing you got to realize that that house one day will fall and that money will be gone and your body's going to change as you age but Jesus never fails and he's the most precious thing in this world and when you and I put Jesus in his right place everything else falls in line can I say the throne is not for you and the throne is not for your thing 
things. And the throne is not for your kids. The throne is for Christ and Christ alone. Oh God, if God would help us Christians to see how beautiful he is, how lovely that he is, we would start to see the tarnished things of this life and say, you know, it doesn't really matter after all. I thank God for a nice house. And I I thank God for a nice car. I thank God for a nice clothes. But listen, all that could be taken tomorrow. But he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And he said, I tell you, I count that but dung. I don't care if you're a lawyer. Hallelujah. I don't care if you're a doctor. Hallelujah. I don't care if you're a politician. Get saved. I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your bank account is. None of that impresses the Lord. He's bigger than it all. He's better than it all. He's above it all. He'll outlast it all. And he said, I comprehended some things. This world is full of fools that chase after foolish things. He said, but I think one day, I'm thank God one day that I found Christ and he found me. And now I count that as trash compared to him that he comprehended himself he comprehended his stuff and he comprehended his successes and said man it's all dumb garbage now let me just quickly say something and then I'll go to the next point if we really thought that then we wouldn't skip church so our kid could hit a baseball hallelujah why are you going you to skip church and go up there and let them hit some dung around the field? If we really believed that, then we wouldn't take, listen, we, wouldn't, we would not take the extra work that we really don't need, but we just want a little fun money that keeps us at a revival. Just so we can go stack some dung up for our wallet. Everybody all right? Hey, listen, I want my boy to know how to hit a ball, and he can, and catch a fish, and he likes that, and to shoot animals, and he does that. We have two dogs, and those things are wounded every other day of the week. I mean, I want him to know all that. But I promise you this, I'd much rather him know that Jesus is better than all those things. You young couples, oh, because I'm a young, am I? I mean, I'm I'm still there, I think. How old are you, preacher? Anyway, I, 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 but we're stretched every direction. Because we, we think, because of like social media and other things, we've got to be a part of everything. And so we have 500 different practices and all these school functions. And then we have to have the newest pair of this or that or the other. So we've got to work this. You know. And the next thing we know, we are training our kids to think that the job is more important than God or the ball travel team is more important than God or the family reunion on a Sunday is more important than God. Oh, that got tight. The golf course is more important than God or the deer stand is more important to God. I remember when I was growing up in America before it became whatever it is now, we couldn't even, we didn't have practices on Sundays and we didn't have practice on Wednesday night. And if it was on Sunday or Wednesday night, my mama wouldn't let us go and we weren't even that good at Christians. Monday night, four more. Comprehension. Watch this. It's comprehension. Number two, if you want to make this one thing your main thing, you have to have the right concern. Look at verse number eight. I like this. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of... Now, here's what he wants. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You see all this? And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of 
Christ, the righteousness of God by faith. And here it is, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And it goes on all the way through verse number 12. It talks about that he said, that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ, you see that? Christ is the hub of everything that he hungers for, everything that he wants. He said, Jesus, if you were a loaf of bread, I'll eat it all. If you were the sea, I'd swim your depths. If you're the galaxy, I'll search out every star. More about Jesus would I know. More of his love to others show more, more about Jesus. He said, that's what I long for and that's what I want. I want to be consumed with Christ and consumed in Christ. He said, my concern is not these earthly things. It is the Lord. I wonder what would happen if God could get one church in our world today, just one church, no matter the size, where every supposed saved person literally became obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was all about Him. And you fell in love with Him. I mean, more than the singing and more than the shout and more than the atmosphere. It was just about the one we came to worship tonight and everything about life revolved around Christ. From the beginning to the end and every point in between, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I want Him. That's what I'm after. I like it. He said that I may know Him. What do you mean, Paul? You know Him. You met Him on the road to Damascus. Yeah, but I I want to know Him deeper. What do you mean? You want to know Him. He he caused the blindness and He spoke to you. And and then Ananias came. The scales. I know, but I want to know Him deeper. What do you mean, know him, Paul? You've been with him in the stillness and he spoke to you and the Holy Ghost directed us. The words were pinned on paper and you gave us these letters. He said, I know, but I want to know him deeper. But wait, Paul, this has been 30 years. You've been doing this for 30 years. 30 years is how old some of your grandparents are. That's old right there, isn't it? 30 years. 30 years of church planting and preaching and soul winning and prayer meetings. If anybody had a market on knowing him. But he wasn't satisfied. He said, I'll tell you what I want. I want to know him even better. He said, that's my concern. My concern is, hey, listen, if there's another page to turn in that book, man, I want to read the next page. Yes, sir. If there's a deeper depth, then I'm going to dive down into that. I want to know more about the Lord. He likes this. I, watch, watch how it, it, it's in, his concern covered all things. He said, I count all things. In verse number 8, every area of life, he said, Jesus first. Now watch this. The atmosphere that he lived in is Christ all the way through. He just conditioned himself. That's just the world that he lived in. And watch how ardent his concern was. He said, I'll suffer the loss of things. He said, when things aren't going good, it's still about Jesus. When the sickness comes, it's still about Jesus. When the hospital calls, it's still about Jesus. He said, that's just my concern. I'm not going to get knocked off of this thing. I want to know the Lord a little bit better. I thought about that. God, give us. wouldn't that be a pleasure to pastor preach a bunch of people that just were real hungry for Jesus? Amen. I'm talking about just real hungry for him. Revival's a person, isn't it? Really. I mean, if we ever have revival, it's because we, we got closer to him. Maybe, I don't know if I've told you this last year, I, I was counseling a Bible college student. His dad was a pa- is a pastor. And he said, Brother Cooper, God just doesn't feel real to me. And I said, well, I said, let me say this. That is not God's fault. Because God is real. I said, let me give you what I think is a good illustration. I said, if we were to light a fire and stand beside of it, would it be hot? And he said, yep. 
He got that right. For a C Bible college student, I thought that's pretty good. I said, would that be hot? He said, yep. I said, now what if we went 100 yards away? Would that fire be hot? He said, nope. I said, yes, it would. That fire is just as hot as it was before. You just can't tell because you got too far away from it. There's some folks here tonight that Jesus used to be a whole lot, quote, unquote, hotter in your life than he is tonight because your concern, your concern has been redirected on these things instead of the one thing. So there's this comprehension. That thing, the things the world says matter, they don't matter. There's a concern. He said, I got to get more Jesus. More, I just want to know him better. And then there's this commitment to it in verse 13. Let me show it to you and we'll be through. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And I like the terminology. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He is focused. He forgets things that don't matter. He's fervent about his purpose. He's racing toward that mark. It's like an athlete. He's not cruising. He's not coasting. He's not casual. He is committed to this thing. What happens is this. He has resolved in his life that what he needs most is Christ. What he needs most, he didn't just need Christ for salvation. He wants Christ in fellowship. He wants Christ in power. He wants Christ there every step of his journey. And he said, I've already made up my mind that that's my pursuit. That is my goal and that is my aim. He said, so I'm going to press toward it. Now you think about pressing. He said, there's strain involved. There might be some that try to knock me off course, but I've already gone ahead and set the die that I want to win Christ. I'm going to lay hold uh, for that which is laid hold on me. I want to wrap up on that which has wrapped me up. I want my hands to lay on that which has laid its hands on me. He said, I want to go ahead and get hooked up to what's got hooked up to me. And he said, that's what I'm worried about. He said, I don't care if it comes with prison or persecution or poor mouthing by my brethren. He said, I don't care if it's popular or not. I don't care if I feel good or not. If I'm praised for it or not. He said, I've made up my mind that this one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to forget all that old stuff and I'm going to race toward that new stuff. I'm going to say goodbye to what was and hello to what is. I'm not going to look in the rear rear view. I'm looking through the windshield and I'm running. I hold my, I'm running towards something. I think about a man on a track. That fella gets on that track and runs. He doesn't look at what's behind him. If he did, he'd fall. He'd stumble. He wouldn't win his race. What's he do? He forgets ground covered and looks ahead to ground coming up. He said, I don't care what's been covered. Yeah, there's been some victories, but I don't care. There's been some joys, but that's all right. I've been blessed. Yeah, but there's better things ahead. So he runs. There's been some enemies. There's been some pain. There's been some heartache. That's all right. I'm still running. And a year from now, if you don't call me home, I'm planning to be running. And two years from now, I plan to be running. And three years from now, I plan to be running. And I'm going to run until I trade out dusty roads for golden avenues. I'm running toward a mark. I'm pressing toward a goal. I'm wanting to win Christ. He's all it is and all I'm about. And I want to lay hold on Him. I am committed to this thing. That's a good verse for a new year. It's a good verse for a new month. It's a good verse for a new week. It's a good verse for a new day. One thing, I'm one thing can take care of everything else. Maybe you're here tonight and your life is out of order. It's not in order. It looks like it is, but it's not. Be a good way to start off a revival meeting to come and reprioritize. And let Jesus be preeminent.
This one thing. How's your Bible reading? This one thing. How's your prayer life? This one thing. How's your church attendance? And you're here on Monday night. But this one thing. How's your witnessing? This one thing. How's your love for each other? This one thing. All that takes care of itself when Christ has preeminence. I want that in my life. I want to teach that to my child, whether by word or just by action. The other night I was running men's prayer meeting before church and looked over and my little boy, about this tall, he comes walking in with his suit on, a red pocket hanky coming out the top of it, looking like a little preacher. And he comes into that men's prayer room. He's the only one under 16, I think, in there. And we'll go to praying and he'll go to praying. Oh, God, I pray. You know, in a high-pitched voice. And I said, I said, man, Link, I'm excited. You came to prayer room and one of the men in the church said, he comes every Sunday night. They said, he's like the only little guy in here. And I'm not bragging on him because he's probably, probably getting arrested right now. But, <clears throat> but that fellow looked at me and said, he's the only boy that comes in here and prays every Sunday night. And I said, well, that's not me. That must be his mama because I'm never at home. I was getting ready to go preach a couple weeks ago, and Link looked at me and said, Link, i got to go. He goes, you sure are preaching out a lot these days, aren't you? Because he, he always knew daddy at home. You know, it's kind of hard. And I, I about teared up, you know, because I could tell he was, he, he doesn't like it when I leave because I, I don't discipline. But anyway, my wife is mean to him. <clears throat> it's always girls against boys at our house. But uh, he looked at me, and, and he was a little bit sad, but here's what he said to me. He said, preach, preacher. Hey, man. Yeah. Man, I, I wrote that in my Bible. I've got quotes. I've got quotes in front of my Bible from yeah. preachers. Oh my, I've got, I've written down quotes. I have a quote from you. I have one from Brother Stroud. I have quotes from men who are dead. I have, I put pray for power. You know what I put in front of my Bible a couple weeks ago, right after yeah. Christmas when he said it to me? I wrote down and put it in quotes, preach, preacher, link. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because every time I get up to preach, I look at it. When I'm gone from home, I remember there's a little boy that preach, preacher. You know what I want him to know? That Jesus is more important now listen, we shoot a lot of hoops. We catch a lot of fish. We race a lot of those remote control cars around the church house and things. But none of that is as important to me as preach preacher. That's right. And prayer meeting. And pocket hanky looking like a preacher. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's right. And I'm saying this year might be a good year for you to really put Jesus first. Yep. Let's bow our heads if you would. I pray God spoke to your heart. Altars open if you want to come pray tonight. Here's the invitation. Hey, would you just come and say, Lord, I want you to be first. Why don't you come, husbands and wives? Maybe you ought to come pray as a family.